Welcome to episode 27 of Under the Holotable. There's no turning back now. We have to press the attack. The Holotable News Network podcast covering in-depth analysis, mods, tips, and the hottest topics from the outer rim. I am Boxen, and joining me on today, today's episode, we have celiac, I'm in a glass case of emotion, Sarah. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, Sarah. We had a week off, uh, and uh, we're coming in strong, excited to have another UTH happening today. But, you know, your great expectations, uh, you, uh, you are always going through uh cacophony of emotions you've you've been crying you've been yelling you've been raging uh today was uh checks notes uh grump face grump so, face <laughs> yes i was in a real bad mood last night <laughs> <laughs> right so uh i just i find it so funny yeah to find out yeah what uh emotion you are going through for today for each uh, create expectations yeah uh and especially the crying was gave me like oh show on the doll where cg hurt you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh it was happy crying so mm-hmm. uh that joke was out the window but um very excited uh also joining us today we have my new newest and favoritest content creator uh guildmate uh, gerbil what's going on down there lieutenant hey how's it going and favoritist that's a compliment i didn't expect but super happy to hear that yeah i wonder how your co-host feels about that <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> well it, it, it's a caveat of my uh, yeah right like guildmate yes so um yeah grump face uh, will stay away for now <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, Gerbil, uh, we, it's so serendipitous that you happen to hop in and join um, the HNN Discord server, basically like the week of me kind of thinking about this episode and putting everything together and really like wanting to kind of get you in for an episode because you were the first to predict the profundity and you were like so excited about it. And then it was like coming and uh, I just really wanted to cover an episode on the profundity and there's no one else I'd rather do it with than you. So uh, I'm very excited you're here. Here, but uh, and then you know after you jumped in there, uh, it seemed like you kind of uh, hit a little skid, and uh, I convinced you to come into my guild and you know uh, reap some uh, better rewards and a little bit of faster progress. And uh, yeah, it's just been a pleasure having you. We really enjoy keeping up with all your content and uh, everything you've been bringing bringing to our guild, if I can say so. Cool, thanks. And I have to admit, I appreciate the droid brains; they're very <laughs> useful. That's right. Yeah, I'm trying to get those for you. So uh, yeah, keep that spending to a minimum and uh, the upgrades uh, much easier. So that's great. But uh, just to kind of start off, uh, Dribble, I want to talk a little bit about you. So uh, Sarah and I are recording at a little bit different time than usual, a little bit earlier. But uh, for you, it is much earlier. You are uh, located currently in Shanghai. Uh, we are recording yep. at 5 a.m. for you. I can't thank you enough for uh, you know carving some time out of your day and schedule this early uh, for an episode of UTH. Um, you want to tell us a little bit, you know, how you're in Shanghai right now and, uh, you know, um, how, that, how that goes for you? Yeah, so uh, Shanghai, and do forgive me, my brain is not fully engaged yet. I'm still <laughs> still sipping my coffee and it's bottled, unfortunately, because the Starbucks is not open yet. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So, so Shanghai, yeah. So I, I grew up actually in Tulsa, Oklahoma in the U.S., 
And uh, my mother was an educator and I kind of followed in her footsteps and went into education, was a public school teacher. And I realized after five years that I was making less money than I started after uh, inflation and some other cost of living adjustments. Um, not, not to like knock on Oklahoma or anything, but they were always battling for last place in, in the States in terms of teacher salary. So I was just kind of looking around. I was like, you know, what can I do to make more money and enjoy what I do? And I had done a study abroad in, in university, went to Russia for uh, about six months and absolutely loved that. And my father also traveled the world uh, with the State Department. So a lot of global opportunity experiences. So then I started exploring and I came across this website that was advertising uh, international teaching jobs. And I was like, okay, well, what is this? And, and I pursued it, went to a job fair in San Francisco, got offered jobs in, I think, like six different countries, China, uh, Nigeria, Kuwait. Um, I was aiming for Europe, didn't land any of those. So I kind of like rolled the dice. I was like, okay, yeah, Shanghai, that, that sounds interesting. And I expected to come here and be just like, completely swarmed with massive crowds and this beautiful architecture of Asian style. And I thought that there would be a manga anime market on every corner, you know, with giant Godzilla statues. And it turns out, no, not, not in China. That's not the way it rolls. It's actually very cosmopolitan with Starbucks and Manor and Tim's coffees on every other corner. And, um, but anyway, the, the, the school that I came to work for was just phenomenal. Uh, it was almost like going to work every day. We had that kind of experience. Like, I cannot believe I'm being paid to do this, right? It was so, so much more enlightening, accepting, uh, encouraging. We, we have students at my school from about, I think last year we had 43 countries. Um, we had about 2,500 students total. And uh, I teach I teach design, which is the more of a subject of like problem solving than anything, I suppose. But of course, in the process, we learn like a lot about CAD CAM and how to manufacture and create things digitally, 3D modeling, printing, uh, milling and all kinds of cool stuff. But the experience has just been unbelievable. And the earning potential, like if you're an educator, if you're a teacher in the U.S., the best advice I could give you is go international for a few years, do it for five years. And depending where you live, you could probably move home, buy a car, buy a house in cash, pay it off and not have a mortgage and then work fundamentally, you know, without the concern of financial, you know, that financial burden. Um, the, 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 the earnings potential is just phenomenal. Wow. So that's, that's, that's kind of how I got here. That's yeah. amazing. And and I, then, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. It's, well, I, I only expected to be here for two years, actually. I was trying to get back to Moscow. And this goes back to 2011. So it turned out the, the school I came to work for, the former headmaster had gone to another school in Moscow. And I was hoping that this would be a stepping stone. And on the way, I just decided, no, actually, I really like it here. And then uh, I met a lady in my second year. And then now I just FYI, I've been here. This is my 12th year. <laughs> so it's Whoa. kind of been a while. Yeah, wow. 12 years. So yeah, I met a lady here and then we got married. Um, and then we have a son who's four and he was born here. 
Um, and he's he's a bona fide U.S. citizen as well. But uh, we've just decided to stick around for a bit. But we, we think about moving on all the time. Yeah, wow. it's a big a world, bit, I guess. Wow. Yeah, because you had <laughs> mentioned in our uh, Guild Discord uh, that there may have been opportunities in Canada. Uh, so maybe you'll be neighbors with Sarah someday. But Yeah, um, we're nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I have worked with so many Canadians over the years here. There are so many Canadian teachers here, and they are all like the nicest people and healthiest that I think I have ever met. That sounds oh. that sounds right. Well, and like, uh, I mean, I can't I can't compare because I don't I'm not a teacher, but or or an educator in that industry. But I know here it's like just as similar to the to the states in terms of not having like good earning potential or even like steady a steady job like I know so many people that tried to become teachers and they just have been doing like part-time teaching or um uh like spare teaching or whatever fill-in teaching for years yeah I was working part-time at Apple at a Apple store you know doing sales and Mac supports like back in the day when I was teaching in Tulsa and it yeah it was kind of uh rough Mm -hmm. working two jobs yeah and how has the uh, language barrier been uh, in terms of transversing that? And uh, I guess, are your students English speaking? So, yeah, my school is all instruction is in English, but I would say a third of the school is close to fluent in Mandarin. Uh, as far as living here, you don't need to speak Chinese like at all. You really don't. Uh, between phones and translation apps and things, every anything can be translated. Most public signage is in English. Like, it's really weird how how much they actually like English. You know, you'll hear an advertisement and it'll all be Chinese and be like blah 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 shampoo blah blah blah. And it's like, <laughs> oh, they're selling shampoo. I get that. <laughs> But no, I speak a little bit of Chinese. It, it helps that my my wife is Chinese, so oh, I bet I, yeah. I get mm-hmm. some practice there for sure. Okay, mm-hmm. well that's great. Well, yeah, thanks for a little bit of background on you there. I think that's really exciting. Um, and with that, I mean, I guess I guess we should talk about Galaxy Heroes, right, guys? Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. with that, uh, we are going to transition to the d word uh the dirty d word yeah Uh, data discs (laughs) (laughs) you like that one yeah that one's fine uh but yeah no so uh you know sarah has had many opportunities to rant on these uh i this is my only opportunity to rant uh you know ever publicly so i'm taking it um Mm -hmm. but uh you know we, we, we of course everyone's talking data crimes right now um to start this segment, I feel like the community needs to come together and hunt down whoever this person was that uh, asked or and or stated, like, I have never really understood where we get materials for datacrons. Has that been made easier? Which I feel this single individual is the catalyst of all of our datacron problems uh, I, I don't blame CG. Clearly, I need to be blaming this single individual for all of the issues that are occurring because, yes, they said we have made it simpler, single person. Uh, and of course, by all accounts, uh, the, sky, <laughs> the sky has been falling since. Oh my gosh. I, I don't think that person exists. <laughs> what? I, Sir, what? I, I know. I, I think this this was a CG made up question. You you need to get your tinfoil hat before you go any further. 
Because <laughs> I'm like, the, the people who are reading the forums, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube content creators, whatever, on Discord, they all know where it's coming from. Like, they're the ones that are actively looking for this information. So if you don't know where to find it, mm-hmm. how are you going to know where you can even be like, hey, CG, where do I, like, it, it just doesn't logically make sense to me. Right. No, it certainly doesn't. No. And, um, you know, I mean, I guess uh, we're still seeing some of the changes uh, flush out, you know, with a transition from a three month cycle to a two month cycle, et cetera, things like that. Um, but yeah, it doesn't pair very well with the fact that we're all like the set four like well, Lord Vader, which I think mm-hmm. we can almost start there because you were lamenting how awful your territory war was facing mm-hmm. a wall of broken Lord Vader datacrons. Mm-hmm. Like that datacron is so broken. And then this actually kind of pairs in to like a 1A, 1B situation as well with like that datacron where before, like if you put in the work, you basically had the same opportunity as everyone else to like achieve the desired datacron. Now, some people were less lucky and they didn't get it, but it's not to say like you didn't have opportunities like you and Zareth, you know, tried what four or five times to get the CLS one and you right. didn't get it, but you still had four or five tries, right? And now it's like, you know, you hit like that one level nine datacron and there's no chance to reroll the level nine. Like you get what you get. But if you're in like a bigger guild now, like you will have more opportunities or you win your TW, you'll have more opportunities to like roll Mm -hmm. your better nines. And it's like, I feel like it's a less of an equal playing field Mm -hmm. uh, from before. And it's like, I guess the trade-off, I'm I'm ranting, this is the point. I guess the (laughs) trade-off is that like, Yes, like the sector four node that's dropping like the relic, the datacron materials is like so much better. So like you're upgrading your like uh, level six, seven, eight, like so much faster mm-hmm. um, because those like are dropped so much more readily. But it was, I don't feel like that was really a problem before. Again, like you worked hard enough or like, you know, you got through the nodes enough. Mm-hmm. People weren't having, I think, a ton of trouble getting to like that level nine, you know, um, that like that needed to be made, you know, that much easier or like that economy. I, I, again, I, I guess it's like, yes, it's a trade-off, but I feel like it's not a fair trade-off and I'm not, I don't feel like it's like, yes, I acknowledge that easier, it's easier, but I don't necessarily feel like that was the problem before, right? Like right. I didn't have a problem with how it, what like the drops and or the like rate at which things were dropping before. So uh, all that to say, yeah, I'm not enjoying like where we're currently at with the system of things and the re-roll economy. The, the thing that is a frustrating to me is they took it out of conquest and they put it in territory war for, for the re-roll threes. Um, because the ones and twos are still in conquest. Right. And I've heard some people be like, well, now you're farming for two months. I'm like, yeah, that's only eight territory wars total. And if you look at the rewards for them, like, and then also they removed the, the upgrade materials. So you basically have to farm your upgrade materials from conquest, which means you're not really farming your re-rolls and you're getting your re-rolls from Uh, territory war and if you are in a guild i was looking at this because 
I think for, for a lot of us, we kind of get stuck in our little box of the guild that we're in or what our roster looks like. And, you know, it's all about me, me, me. But if you are in a guild less than 220 million GP, you do not earn reroll materials. And you might be thinking, well, less than 220 million, like that's pretty low. If you have 220 million GP, your average player is 4.4 million, which means they can do hard conquest. So CG has told them that they can go into conquest, collect these materials, collect these data crons and upgrade them. But if you are not in a guild that joins, so all 50 of you join so that you're cracking that 220 million you don't get to re-roll your level nine data cron that you just spent crystals on in conquest refreshing to get the mats to upgrade for. Mm-hmm. That is horseshit. <laughs> right. Well, and I'm glad you brought up the rewards too, because that's the thing that I was just saying like, oh, well, they compensated the other mats for upgrading six, seven, and eight. Oh, they must have compensated the re-roll mats and increased the rewards in TW. No, they did not. They no. like kept that the same and only removed the, you know, restricted our access to them. Yeah. And with this new cadence, not this new, I shouldn't say cadence, but with the fixed schedule of how things work now, Territory war rewards for the first of a set. So the first time you will get your reroll mats are paid out after Grand Arena lock. Right. So you are joining Grand Arena for the week and you can't reroll your Datacron before you you join. I totally was realizing that like when it was like being announced and I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Like, again, like I'm now st- I'm realizing I'm going to be stuck with like yep. my wrong level nine LV, like I'm stuck whatever. with my TIE fighter no pilot. No chance. Yeah. And you're still right. Right. <laughs> I, I'm complaining about having LV. You're stuck with TIE fighter pilot. Right. Yeah. So I mean, just, just so crazy. Um, okay. So to, to clarify, yeah, when you hit, so you're saying that when you, uh, when you lock in your GAC squads and you, mm-hmm. that resave button, will not update changes or you just can't actually change the data crown itself until the GAC ends. I'm until not the G- yeah. Until the GAC, because you, you can resave um, before lock. Before lock. And, and if you make changes to the data crown, you can, but if, if you you're, re- yeah, your rewards until after lock. So there's nothing, uh, you, it's impossible to upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause you have territory battle and on Sunday, then you have your join period, your attack, or your join period, your defense period, your attack period. So by the time uh, territory war ends, you've already locked into GAC and have set your defenses and are waiting for the attack yeah. phase of the first round. Right. And so again, I mean, I guess there again, maybe we're all in the same boat with this first lock for GA. We all just you know grinded what we could and got the level nine that we have, and that's it. But again, mm-hmm. it's just such a wider disparity of like that one person who got lucky is now like so has such a huge advantage over everyone else because you only have one try. Before we had like five to six tries, right? Mm-hmm. Like for the two, three, two, three, four tries. You know, multiple data crons. We could kind of get there. But, but now it, it's one and done, and whatever you got, you're stuck with. And uh, it, I, yeah. But if you're in a guild, yeah. sorry. Um, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, if you're in a, one of those smaller guilds where you're only getting, um, you know, 
15 reroll mats or, or 20, whatever it is in, in the rewards, the lowest one that I saw, if you lose, you get five reroll mats, which means if you're not in a very competitive guild and you lose territory war a lot, um, you have to wait a month before you can reroll your datacron. Right. Even if Whoa. you're in that low one. Yeah. Cause you're mm-hmm. only getting five. Right. Yeah. And so Isn't that crazy? Even if you're winning, you're not still getting enough to re-roll yeah. a level nine. Right. Yeah. Even if yeah, you and win. Considering, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And their lifespans are only a couple of months to begin with. So literally if you're waiting, it's like, it's a third or a fourth or maybe half, depending on the cadence, as you said, and then the datacron poofs. Exactly. Wow. That's crazy. You know, I, I have, I don't hate datacrons. Uh, my experiences have been relatively positive, but the changes to the the new set four do have me scratching my head a lot, especially back to that quote, like, you know, where, where do we get these? And, you know, I, I, the one that really speaks to me is like, I have too many datacrons, right? I have just too many. <laughs> what, what can we do about that? Well, okay. So like, I'm looking now at the Ardent, which I think is the set three. And I, I do have 24 of those, and I, I only unlocked uh, six of them. Uh, I did not take any of them to level nine, but the new security one, the purple one, set fours, I have five of those. And I've taken four of them, or three of them, to set to level six, and they've all rolled smuggler. The, and like, I have dash at relic seven, I think, but I don't have a full smuggler team that I would deploy anywhere because my Kyra is still like gear 12, L3 is. Uh, you know, my Han Solo, Chewie, they're going to not, they're not going to be with Dash likely. So even though, you know, I've got some of these characters, uh, I would definitely say it's harder to get the set fours. And then I am consistently rolling the same bonus over and over and over again. And like the, the CLS one you mentioned, I tried really hard. I rerolled several times and all I got was wedge, 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 mm-hmm. wedge. And then I would go to Grand Arena and it's like, oh, nice. You've got CLS. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Right. So that was, yeah, that was frustrating. They definitely solved the problem of having too many. I mean, Sarah, you went went like one for 20 on that first node, like before you got like a datacron. It was insane. Like I'm still, let me just double check real quick. Um, Well, you've been farming that node hard too. So you even said like you had nine and I was like, because I had eight and I was like, mm -hmm. but she's probably been farming that node like two twice as much as me yeah and like so i was farming that node like crazy i've i've tapered off a little bit in the last Mm -hmm. two days but even factoring that in we've basically had a week and a half of farming them and i have 10 datacrons from the set okay 10 yeah i I was just doing oh sorry i didn't mean to catch up oh no Uh, i'm just not upgraded (laughs) kind of dedicating because with the way this is all working like I save my like slicker for like the mixed team of like, you know, a full team of slickers and rays. And then like, I just kind of have like another Hux lead, um, whatever, uh, for first, first order, order team that I'm like knocking out the 40 wins with. And so I just use them on the first node, which works out perfectly because I need to farm that first node anyway. So I can have the data crumbs to use all of the materials that I'm getting, you know, mm-hmm. potentially on the other nodes. Cause it, it's like, what's the point of farming two, three, and four <laughs> if you aren't farming one and aren't getting like, you know, to having like enough data crumbs to even use the, the materials. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people have been having that trouble where it's like, yeah, I feel like they pulled it back a little bit too much uh, on 
yeah, getting those data crowns. Yeah. And like, I feel like this is also a really weird set because set four is going to be the only set that has two sets dismantling materials Mm. into it. So I don't think CG can really use this set to be honest as like a baseline or, or any, like to give them any real type of data in terms of how the economy is working with dismantling. Um, because it's going to be completely skewed when you have set two dismantle as well. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess I didn't Yeah, realize that two was going into it as well, which makes sense. I guess I kind of thought like, oh, maybe one, because one was supposed to be like the trial period or something. Maybe mm-hmm. one just like wouldn't convert, right? Because they were kind of announcing that like before um, we were going to see that conversion. Um, but uh, yeah, one uh, converted, obviously. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Like I'm looking at my... Uh, upgrade materials the deboss mark twos and the mark threes and i've got a couple hundred of each of them mm-hmm. and i just have no incentive to apply them i mean like i could unlock the level seven level eights just to get some bonus secondary stats but because i keep rolling the smuggler squads um i'm not going to get that level three benefit which means i'm absolutely not going to get the level nine benefit right right so it's like i've got a stockpile of them i've got the cash do i do it I don't know. I mean, is, is, uh, probably like, I, I haven't rolled any dodges beyond level one either. Right. Yeah. So that's the big one that everybody was afraid of, but I'm like, well, I think the drop rate on that looks like it's about two or 3% perhaps. Hmm. So well, speaking again, of the dodge, I think it's just uh, lucky. Uh, Cause I've been getting quite a few dodges. Oh, I don't really, I, I don't have any dodge and I have, uh, two deflection rolls on separate yeah. ones but no I dodge got one where my one and level one and two are both dodge mm. i got special accuracy coming out of my butt apparently but <laughs> we do lots of special accuracy <laughs> yes. yeah i've got a ton of that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's a it's an interesting i don't know whole set yeah, and I've actually, I've been completely open-minded on it. And I think even like my original take on it was like, you know, I'm fine with Datacrons as long as they don't do one that like makes a GL that's impossible to beat. And by all accounts, like, I mean, Lord Vader with this data with the right Datacron seems like nearly impossible to beat. And then the thing too is it's like, because the level nines are so important now, right? Like, don't you dare like re-roll a level six because you really need every chance you have on that level nine. So you're just kind of sitting here waiting for like enough materials to re-roll level nines. Cause like, that's kind of what, I mean, I need to get that one if I want to like really be dominant, you know, like any lucky person could be that gets like the right level nine Lord Vader. And then but yeah, and then it's like the level six is like so important because you can get that uh, cooldown decrease based on, you know, debuffs and stuff. And so now it's like, yeah, I'm just trying to like build up some more so I can start like re-rolling like some sixes to try and get like a couple of those or whatever that I don't have to worry about. Like, oh, what is this going to be like a level nine? But yeah, meanwhile, like, so I, I did roll like one of those and my I did not have that on like the level six of like my Lord Vader one. And so now it's like, well, do I give Lord Vader like the cooldown decrease one? Like that just says the level six, but not his level nine, like that I unlocked because like by all accounts, that might be more powerful, quite frankly, than like mm. whatever that he has like at the level six and his like increased health based on his relic levels or whatever. So um 
Yeah, it, uh, it's still figuring it out, but it feels like Grand Arena came real fast with like relative to these Datacron upgrades and uh, everything we're seeing with it. And um, yes, definitely having a lot less fun, which you pointed out, Sarah, you were like, we can't play. Like we can't get through the front wall and it, not playing is not fun. There are people in my guild who regularly spend hundreds of dollars a month on this game. And they're like, I'm not dropping a dime or a crystal on Datacrons anymore. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're fed yeah, up I, with I it. won't. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, aside from like the conquest refreshes, because like I want to yeah. do those to get red crate. Um, but yeah, I'm not spending, yeah, not refreshing the store, buying the packs, anything like mm-hmm. that. So I have two two things here, real quick. I, have you guys seen the Tarkin Infinite Loop? Oh yes, mm-hmm. trick right now. Yeah. Yep. So that's another one. So we just got yesterday in the update the ability to leave a match. Right. If if. Uh, you just want to forfeit. You can finally leave on your mm-hmm. opponent's turn. And it's like, hallelujah, right? Welcome to 2011 <laughs> gaming. It only uh, took Tarkin infinite loop for them yeah. to like implement right. it, I guess, yeah. So I was wondering if that was di- directly related to it. Maybe they saw that Tarkin mm. loop and they're like, oh, snap. Yeah, we better finally let people leave because I expect to see that in GAC and in, in Territory Wars quite a bit. Just, just mm-hmm. a wall of Tarkins now. Because if, I mean, if Tarkin gets a turn, you're going to time out. Right. And then another one, I think that this dodge mechanic being in the, the current data crunch set, I actually wonder if that is a is a kind of hidden nudge to further push Inquisitors because mm. uh, it, most people don't realize this, but in Grand Inquisitors kit, I had to go look it up. So here's here's the wording. It says, if an enemy evades an Inquisitorious ally's attack, all other enemies take true damage and dispel foresight. So, like, if you've got, like, a plus 60% dodge, then it seems like Inquisitors may be a natural counter to that, because every time they dodge, they take true damage. Oh. And it's all enemies. We're going to talk about your love for Inquisitors later in the episode. (laughs) Love? Don't be be tarnishing our rant intros with, like, how great the Inquisitors are. No, I'm kidding. No, that's great. It's a great point, yeah, to point out that they absolutely have that, like, built into their kit. And And I think... um, I do think, well, I think there's a, a 501st response similar action. Isn't there one of the mm-hmm. Zetas and the 501st does something similar? Like if they if they dodge an attack, mm-hmm. then they like take 20% damage or something. I can't recall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No hot tip there. No, absolutely hot tip. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. uh, another area that you know, uh, if you come across a data crumb flaw dodge, yeah, maybe that's the team you dedicate for an inquisitor counter if you still have them for offense or something. So yeah. It's- um boy that's great well anyway i say that we hoist that particular swgoh player by the petard who couldn't figure out data crumbs <laughs> yeah he is on my crap list um, <laughs> um yeah the, well, and the other thing too is that they said like reroll materials will only be available in tw and then they're like no like reroll one and two are mm-hmm. in like conquest so, so again like i'm still confused based on your answer like right. cg because <laughs> it wasn't accurate anyway <laughs> it wasn't accurate right 
okay. Uh, when is CG accurate about their representation of things? Maybe they need some of my special accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got plenty of special accuracy in this chair with them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's man. Right. They need to equip a special accuracy datacron and arrow yeah. uh, before they do these posts. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, well, I think uh, I'm spent, you guys. That rant. <laughs> I'm just calling it here. <laughs> Show's uh, over. Show's over. <laughs> Shortest episode ever. No, let's dive into the actual episode. Okay, we got the negativity out of the way. Time to be positive. And something uh, I hope we are all really positive about, profundity. Like, it's been a beautiful rebalancing of fleets, and the especially Fleet Arena, uh, with, you know, Pico is mentioning on HNN, like how wonderful it is now that like you can go into a battle count on winning and like you know be predictable on your climb like it's nice to which i will share his sentiment that you know it's been refreshing getting back to that type of a situation because so often you know i still run my six star executor which i can win easily but i just have to like make sure that i give myself extra time for that one or two potential loss sometimes i climb up super easy sometimes then it's like I lose like twice in a row and there's just no predictability on, you know, like that climb. And um, now I'm like really enjoying it, but uh, to open things up here, uh, Gerbil, you are the man that was really <laughs> ringing the bell uh, back on April 9th. You were releasing your first profundity video. I think a lot of us kind of thought things might've been coming when, you know, uh, the outrider came and had this like download mechanic and they're kind of like rumblings but then you know you really put the whole theory together and uh put it in a nice box uh which um was a really great video um you're so enthusiastic about um, everything that was coming which was really great and so uh yeah you want to take us a little bit through you know your experiences with uh profundity um thus far yeah so i unlocked it and went straight to seven stars day one uh, when I, when I did get it, I, I tried it out at, what is it for? It's a four star unlock, I think, mm -hmm. right? I blew through it so quick. I don't remember. So I did get four stars and I, and I jumped over to arena. I was just like, okay, let, let's see how this you know plays. And of course we didn't know what the ideal starting lineup was at that time. So I was, I thought I'd find out if I really want to invest a lot more into it. So of course I went in and I had Biggs, Hans William Falcon, you know, the standard Biston. And I was like, okay, this is mildly disappointing. And I tried again and I was like, wow, I just got owned. Okay, well, maybe I do need more stars, right? And, and I started to get that real kind of sad feeling in the back. Like, did I just, you know, relic nine my radis for a giant mistake? Are we going to get that not working as intended message in a couple of hours or days? Um, but yeah, so I went back in and I and I got to gear six, and then I went back over to arena and I and I wasted another hundred or so crystals just battling some shardmates, and I found real fast the the standard lineup, the the Y wing outrider Hans Millennium Falcon, right, and it was pretty easy. I wasn't I wasn't encountering really any losses, um, other than I thought it was a little counterintuitive, right? I think like it seems like you'd want to open up with that mass assist and try to do as much damage as possible mm -hmm. and knock someone mm -hmm. out, but you, you don't, right? You want to use that uh, rebel fleet has arrived, which heals your team, even though everyone's at full health. Um, because that, that takes, if you're going against executor, right? That takes Xanadu out of stealth. And then um, if your if your fleet is geared high enough, you'll just, you'll destroy them in one hit half the time or more. Mm -hmm. So 
it, it did take a little bit of experimentation. And so then I was like really contemplating, do I need to, do I want to? And then my want won out. And so I went <laughs> the seven stars. So yeah, I don't need this, but it's only money, right? Oh my <laughs> gosh. Um, so uh, yeah, we, uh, I did take him with the seven and I did wail on him. I don't, I don't normally wail or spend too much in the game. It is my like, primary source of digital entertainment here in shanghai so I, that's my rationale um but i'm happy i did so because i didn't spend too much on it to be honest i had i had hoarded a lot of crystals and i had, like, like you said i had seen this coming for a long long time mm -hmm. and so i was so hyped i was like oh it's here it's here it's here i, I have to have it and I also kind of felt some pressure like if i've been saying it's coming for so long and i don't seven star it then like mm. i was like i just have to do this so I did. Mm -hmm. And and it's been great. Um, and yeah, I was listening to Pico also uh, talk about how easy he climbs. And I, I agree with that. Although ironically, my mirror match situation is not good. Um, I'm losing at least half the mirror is like for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm losing about half of them. And I, and I think, I don't know yet if it's RNG or I'm just pushing the wrong buttons. Um, like I, I went against a five star yesterday and I thought this will be easy. And uh, I just got destroyed, completely owned. And, oh. and I'm scratching my head, watching my fleet get demolished. And I'm like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> right? Because uh, they they opened up on my Y-Wing and destroyed it in two turns. Uh, so I didn't even get a chance to heal. Right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, he, he heals every time I think somebody lands a critical hit, if, I, mm -hmm. if the kit is right. Mm -hmm. I didn't get a counter attack chance. Like it was just over before I could blink. And, you know, once Y wing goes down, especially in a mirror match, you're in trouble. It seems like so. that's the win condition just to kill the yeah. Y wing as fast as possible. And then you can basically coast from there. Uh, Cause that's what I was really concerned about was like, cause I have a five star. Am I going to be able to mirror a seven star? Um, thankfully there's only one other, uh, profundity in my arena and it is a seven star and I, you know it's he's easy enough to go around but i still wanted to like test it out right and the and i was mm -hmm. able to win pretty convincingly that first time but it is it's absolutely comes down to like the assists you know as long as yeah. you're getting the assists and you can just take that white wing out like real quick or just you know at all um then uh yeah you, you can turn it in your favor but uh yeah i guess the seven star mirror matches might be a little bit more difficult yeah or uh, interesting so yeah, there's a considerable amount of RNG in there that, I mean, I think people understand that, but when you really like break it down and analyze it, there's so much more, right? Because like, take take um, the Y-Wing, right? When it attacks, Hans Million Falcon has a 50% chance to attack. So you've got one there, right? So let's say Hans attacks. Well, then when it attacks with this basic, it guarantees an assist, but is it going to call Outrider or Y-Wing, right? If Y-Wing is just going to tap on the shoulder, Y-Wing just puts out no damage. It's so disappointing, I think, to me. But and it seems to assist when, all the time. Yeah, consistently, <laughs> just like, hey, I'm still here. I'm still here, right? right? But if, if Outrider attacks, well, then it triple shots, and those are going to do some true damage on top of it. So it's six instances of damage, and the triple shot for each critical hit, the capital Radis has a 20% chance to assist, right? And, or to call a, an, an assist, not even for itself, just it has a 20% chance to call. And that 20%, if it triggers, it could call the Falcon again, who could call, right? So there's nothing in the kit that I'm aware of that doesn't stop a perpetual loop. I mean, it's a low probability, so it's not going to happen. I think that's what they're relying on. But 
yeah, mathematically, I think it's there that you could you could get 10, 15 assists out. So it's crazy. And I've I've been on the receiving end of that. It was not fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sir, do you want to give us a little uh, your experiences with Profundity so far? Uh, you also yeah. went to a five-star like myself? Yeah, so I went to five-star and I took a while to swap to it in Arena only because I wasn't too sure how it would hold and I didn't want to have to like, I, I have a very, very high tendency to forget to go back in and swap my fleet out after the fact. So I was like, oh, I'll just wait and see and, and whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so I found that when I left my executor in, I was falling further because more people are getting executor and now you have profundity and all this fun stuff. Um, so my climb was having to happen. So I just decided to try it and I was like, this will be good. I'll, I'll practice in fleet. I'll swap to it. Um, and then it'll be good for me to know how to do it in Grand Arena and Territory War. Um, and I have no problem whatsoever taking out relic nine, seven star executors. Like mm -hmm. it's exactly what you were saying where it was maybe a coin flip before when I was mirroring it. Um, I'm like, this is fantastic. Uh, which makes me feel a little bit better because I chose not to buy a second vault to go to, <laughs> to seven star mm -hmm. that day. I was like, no, you just, mm -hmm. just wait a month and maybe it will be fine. Um, which really now my only real regret with that is I don't get, I didn't get to use it in territory battles. Um, and it looks amazing in territory battles, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so no problems mm. there. And I actually don't even fall that far. No. Um, yeah. I, I've, I'm, my payout is in the evening, so it's been almost 24 hours. It's been probably like 21 hours since my payout, something like that, 20-ish. Mm. Uh, and I'm at six. Yeah, so, I think of the farthest yeah. I've fallen since I got it was like 10. Yeah, so I'm like, Ooh. okay, I'll just leave you. I think there are, I think there are six profundities in my shard right now. I was gonna, and mm -hmm. I, I have woke up and found myself in the morning at like 23, 24. Mm. Um, it's a really competitive group, but that that was only in the first week of it and i i posted on reddit i was like okay i'm kind of nervous here because i'm dropping way further than my executor fleet ever did oh. and a lot of crowdsource thoughts came back and they were like well just wait right now it's the new shiny target everybody's like oh what is testing. that can i beat it yeah and since that's calmed down uh now i'm easily holding top top 12 maybe in my group every day yeah um so yeah i think that's really good but that is something to be aware of for anybody out there who's going to unlock it. If you're in a shard that doesn't have any or many and you're the first, you're going to be the target for a few days. So mm -hmm. just be aware. That's a good point. Yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting too because I left my five, five star in overnight. But I think a lot of people are just like, oh, this is just such a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they haven't really been like targeting me as much. Um, but then I think, and Sarah, I wanted to kind of ask you about this because you're sharing the five star sentiment. So, you know, there are times when I am taking on, yeah, that executor where I don't get the assists on the opening move, mm -hmm. and then I am not winning those matches. So I actually still put my bigs in um, just against executors because mm -hmm. like in your opening a, lineup. Yeah. So like what was happening is like, I'm facing an executor with my five-star profundity and, you know, I do that opening move and then I, you know, just try to gun down the XB mm -hmm. um, 
Xandu blood. And then like, if I don't get the assist, that means Xandu blood doesn't die. Right. And then that means like, um, a lot of times then like Han's extra shot, like it still has maybe like some health left, but like Han's individual shot is also not getting the kill. Mm -hmm. So then the executor comes in with the AOE and like kill and like, um, I guess it might go or not go for whatever the uh, Y wing, but then, but that means like, then the whole team is on the field and they can ignore the Y wing. So all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they either just annihilate my millennium falcon or they annihilate you know my outrider and if outrider dies like it's a loss right there just back mm-hmm. out yeah so you know i put bigs in and then like they all have to get big so even if like i get the bad rng basically their onslaught has to all go to bigs and i can probably like 75 plus percent of the time i can still recover because they still have my outrider i can bring my y way in you know and like you know turn it back in my favor but i was really finding that uh i you know with the five star there were times where rng would be against me and i would lose so mm-hmm. um so i haven't had that happen usually if i don't get the assist um yeah. so like I'll, I'll you know like the standard open do the mass assist and then if i don't get enough assists to to kill him and he's still sitting there he usually dies in the next two or three moves okay um, so I have the, the problem was for me that. was just that I was getting, you know, my outrider would then get targeted because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the not hands tooth, um, razor crest would get to, you know, mark right. my outrider. And then it was just like, Oh, well that's just kind of it, you know, game over. Yeah. It was kind of game over. So, mm-hmm. I mean, as I'm still, I guess I'm still playing around with it, but that was just kind of like my initial solution was like, well, let me just get a tank in there that they can't you know, go around and then I don't have to worry about, you know, my outrider getting targeted. But so I assume, so from what you said, it sounded like, were, are you using your mass assist or are you using the dispel for your first move from profundity? Um, so profundity, I do the dispel. So I mark, yeah, okay. I mark uh, right. Xanadu. Yeah. And then just and then, use. And then outrider gets his turn and yeah, I do special. his, yeah, his first special. Yeah. Um, Concussion I, missiles. Yeah. yeah. And then okay. either he's dead or he. Right. Has a little bit, and then uh, Han goes next, and he gets to basic. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so it's, by the time my Han goes, like if I don't, because it's like sometimes Outrider does that for a special, and like no one assists. Like mm-hmm. that was all the damage that was done, Ooh. and then it's, mm. so it's just like, yeah, Han goes and sure attacks, but he's still like mid health, like all close to full health or something. So it's only been those two attacks. Mm-hmm. So what, um, what's your Falcon gear level? uh yeah no falcon's good i mean i i have the r8 um han okay you know for yeah. uh the java requirements and uh i think what uh chewie's probably r6 whatever whatever last he was needed for whatever other mm-hmm. geo requirement he okay. was needed for so uh um, interesting because i have the yeah. same experience to sarah there that you know I, I open with the dispel then i do the yeah. concussion missiles and i would say 65 percent of the time maybe two-thirds Xanadu dies right there. Yeah, just mm-hmm. um, immediately, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and in the event he survives, I would then say we're close to ninety-five percent of the time. The immediately Falcon takes the next turn and yeah, kills him. Gets the kill. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so it should be just like one, two, three before yeah. um, the the opposing team gets a turn. Okay, maybe I'm just special and or yeah. So I just that was kind of like the solution I ran with, and then I've just kind of been implementing it in arena because it's just like why not yeah. like increase my chances to like make sure this, uh, you know, I get the win and whatnot. But mm-hmm. um, but you yeah, also just said that they're 
you also said they're marking your outrider, which is interesting. Like I'm just trying to reflect here. And I, I would really, I feel very strongly. They're pretty much only marking my Falcon. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think outrider on my squad ever really gets marked because I get it on the Falcon and I just do the dance and I'm good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because, yeah, I mean, it's those times because then XP is alive and then XP can ignore, yeah, like the Y-Wing and then XP goes and calls uh, Razor Crest to assist and they mark, yeah, Outrider and then the whole match is just kind of out, hmm. out of control. Oh. So Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, maybe it's just like I got lucky in like those first couple matches. I feel like it happened a couple of times, um, you know, outside of just blowout wins, which is like what you're experiencing most of the time. But um, yeah, and then it's just kind of like, oh boy, like it seems like there's a potential here. Uh, and so I just kind of, I guess, got wanted to get ahead of it. Um, so I didn't have to deal with that um, in any future climbs. Interesting. One of my... Like the things though that, okay, the downside of profundity for me, I, I love the fleet. I love the the simplicity of it. I love the concept of it. I personally love the ultimate. I think the ultimate is very, very, um, <laughs> even more... though it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it makes total sense to me. Like I, I can see in a galaxy far, far away, a scenario where any capital ship has a mission to obtain something and it's more important than defeating the enemy fleet that's at the battlefield. I can see that. It's maybe not five times a day, but I can see that. But no, the, the big one for me is I, I'm so disappointed that the U-Wings are not part of the fleet. Mm, because, yeah. you know, I've gone back and I watched Rogue One and it turns out the U-Wings were there, right? right. <laughs> they're, they're there. Uh I mean, we know that Phoenix was there. There's a couple little cameos of, of um, the, 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 oh my gosh, a ghost, right? Yeah. Uh, but still, it seems like the, the predominant ships that should be there would include, I don't know, Rogue One at Rogue One. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that, yeah. and that, and right before Profundity came out, I took Jenner's up to R7. She's one of my favorite characters, actually. I, I love her kit. Um, which was made me really happy that Radis keeps her alive in squads because she's just so squishy. Yeah, you're really but, excited about that when you read the kit for the first time. Oh man, I went nuts. I thought Radis was going to be like meta stomping, and not really. Uh, but but uh, yeah, yeah we'll so I next. yeah, but so I, I have my Biston and Pal and Cassian. Well, of course Cassian, right? I saw Relic Eight requirement, and I was like. I'm there because I already had him up to like relic seven. I mean, I, I had my rogue one squad way up when nobody was using him. I'm kind of my mantra has always been like to take the road less traveled, you know, the poem by Robert Frost. So, I mean, I, I went to an underdog high school. I went to uh, a university where every sports team was the underdog and we kicked butt and I loved it. So I I've just had this inherent drive to win with less, which is why my first, squad in the game that was r7 was ewoks uh and i'm i'm still gonna brag about the epicness of my ewoks um but so yeah when 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 the the kit was announced i was reading it and i was excited but i had to keep going back through it and i was like where's the ewing synergy where's the ewing synergy where's the ewings it's just not there right in fact there's actually counter synergies because the ewings are all about turn meter gain and 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 profundity just says now nah, we don't have any of that Wow. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that does actually kind of bring up, like, what are you guys using for reinforcements? 
No, I uh, don't use any. Right, right. I guess yeah. most of the time you don't need to bring one. Don't, bring them in. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, you know. I guess for defense, though, you know, maybe they'll come out. Who knows? Uh, Phoenix. You know, you, know, you do have yeah. Phoenix in there. So yeah. I originally, yeah, had Ghost and Phantom in there. And then, of course, you think like, oh, if I get Phantom in, I can bring in another ship. But I was really finding like the problem with having like Phantom in as a reinforcement is it upsets the turn not the turn order but basically like the sequence that the profundity really wants to use to get to its ultimate because Mm -hmm. if you're bringing in like phantom and you're bringing another ship you're not getting to that uh mass assist where you're getting like a ton of crits out and getting like you know really getting the cooldown on the ultimate like then that big Mm -hmm. shot and so um because i was doing that for a little bit um and then but i was just like yeah, I, 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 you really want to use that, like, you know, mass assist, um, like as quick as possible, because it, it's the, the number one thing that can really get you that ultimate, um, besides, you know, just calling assists in general. But uh, uh, so well, I, I took think... the Phoenix out from my reinforcements. Hmm. I think Ghost is actually a really good ghost first reinforcement. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, because Ghost has the, the I think it's first special, it calls a targeted assist plus two other random assists, right? And mm-hmm. and every time a, a rebel assists, you're getting 1% download. So like if you target um, the Falcon, then you're guaranteed three assists from the kit plus the Falcon calls a fourth. And then if you get those those criticals, there's a chance that profundity calls an assist plus the Y-wing has an inherent ability just to insist, insist, assist <laughs> perpetually. So, so the ghost is almost going to give you five to 7% download on that one move. Right. So absolutely. that is really useful. Um, yeah. And then actually one of the other things is I actually did have put Cassian's U-wing as my other reinforcement um, mm-hmm. because I like bringing him in and I don't use the mass assist from him to start. A lot of times what happens is um, one my one tank will have, um, not be marked, um, it'll have... Uh, target what's, lock? Tar- no, what's... Um, Hounds Breach. Steve, Breach, thank you. Breach. Um, uh, breach so i can't get the taunt off houndstooth so i bring biston in and i just cleanse that uh breach and then dispel mm-hmm. houndstooth immediately and then like kill all the other ships and then you know come back to houndstooth so that's kind of been another strategy i've been implementing just with my like five star matches so um yeah it's just easy peasy i don't get stuck behind that breach or the houndstooth Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cassian does work real well, I think, in the fleet. He's always kind of been the unsung hero, like the number one reinforcement with Home One. Yeah. Um, what else I like about him is that he has a pretty high chance to counter strike when he's hit. So, like, he doesn't have the durability of the cargo ships under Profundity because they've got like critical damage immunity. But that counter strike, well, no, that's only in Home One, right? Because when he would counter strike, he would attack out a turn, which would regenerate his protection. He doesn't have that here. But it does still give you download, which also has uh, assist potentials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. using um, both Phoenix ships and Cassian as my sixth ship, as my third reinforcement, which I almost never get to Cassian. Um, mm. But I haven't had Same. any any issues with Phoenix. I, I like bringing Phantom out first because you get mm. the next reinforcement right away. So then yeah. I just bring Ghost out. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have yeah. been going that route. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I just felt like I was getting to the ultimate faster, not bringing Phantom out first because then Profundity can use his, uh, yeah, 
first discussion. So what about in, in GAC? So like we're in 3v3 and I just put my fleet down yesterday. So I, I put on defense my seven-star executor. I put my home one with um, Raven's Claw, Biston, Biggs. And then I put Cassian and Wedge as the only two reinforcements. But I think actually I put young uh, Lando's Falcon because if the battle goes long enough, right? Falcon will come in and take three turns. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other than that, I put, uh, I think I put negotiator down for defense and that saves my profundity. No, 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 I didn't, I didn't put negotiator. I put chimera, mm-hmm. uh, with second sister there. And so that saves my negotiator profundity finalizer and my absolute crap rubbish <laughs> malevolence <laughs> for, for, uh, offense. But like, I was really, really debating, like, do I put executor and profundity down? My opponent only has executor. And it's only five stars, mm. but I just don't know how well profundity holds uh, against, you know, uh, uh, an optimized malevolence. I've seen some vids online, but I've also read a bunch of people saying, yeah, that's a best case scenario. It doesn't work like advertised or whatever. I just don't know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, it seems like if they're saving the empire tank, it gets more consistent, which is kind of a, ho- a higher save, you know, ship to pull out of your empire fleet. But um mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were actually just making me realize that uh, when I went and updated all of my defenses uh, for 3v3, I didn't look at ships at all. So uh, <laughs> I have to go in and double check what I put down. I don't, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but yeah, so I guess that means uh, profundity is on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, Yeah, I, I saved her. I, apparently the ship is female. Uh, I saved profundity for, for offense because I was like, this is going to be way better if they do set executor for me, then I don't have to waste a burner with the Loveland's. I don't have to fight with the finalizer. Like just, just use my profundity. Call it good. Yeah. That's, that was my thinking too. It's a free win, almost yeah. a guaranteed free win. Full, actually, not more than full banner. If you if you're lucky, it's it's full banner plus full bonus points. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of what I did, and I and I know that the home one is going to probably just get demolished at this moment, but my thinking was that it will at least snipe banners because Biston is going to outrun anybody there. And uh, if uh, Raven's Claw is pretty darn fast too, if it does its AOE, it's going to snipe off some protection from everybody. So I just put it there just to hopefully steal some banners. And if I'm lucky, maybe those Relic 8 Cassian people there will, uh, I don't know, kill a ship or two or maybe a holdup. But I'm not a, I'm not hoping for that. Mm-hmm. How many stars is your Ravenclaw? Four and a half. Okay, no, five right. and a half. Right. Like almost got it to six. Yeah. The drop rate on that has been phenomenal. I hit four out of five this morning and oh, uh, I, every single day I do two refreshes okay. and I'm getting I'm getting on average six a day. So two out of five. Uh, and that's like relative to farming the Y-Wing or the the Emperor shuttle, I think. And, and when I say Y-Wing, I mean the, the Galactic Republic one, which I feel I was getting two shards a day with three refreshes. Like, I think the Ravens Claw is easy to farm for some reason. Mm-hmm. Could be my luck. Hmm. Uh, defense wise, yeah, we have put down a six star home uh, profundity in our TW match and it got 10 holds. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I feel like sometimes it, 
can catch people off guard. Maybe it gets holds, but then there's other times where it's, it seems like people are beating it. I personally, I need to go into my arena and do a lot of testing against the seven star. Um, I, I, I haven't tried to beat, uh, done an off meta counter. I've only done the mirrors. I haven't tried to do an off meta mm-hmm. uh, counter of the profundity yet. And I, I really need to spend that time getting that skill set. Um, yeah, the other thing I was going to mention was like, yeah, a lot of us just have like that understar Raven's Claw. And right now it's like, yeah, my I've essentially just traded in, you know, home one, which was a good fleet for like a better fleet. Right now, I don't feel like I've really incre- increased my number of fleets. I don't feel like I have a viable home one fleet, really. I just have like a much better like rebel fleet that can now be meta and or compete at that level compared to like where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, home one was so versatile. Like I loved, loved that fleet so much, but, uh, yeah, even, I mean, until I get that Raven's Claw, I, I don't feel, even once I have Raven's Claw, I guess I'm skeptical, mm-hmm. you know, of where its viability will be, but, um, yeah, it just kind of feels like it was a trade-off rather than an addition. I think for me, it, it does make me feel like I have a, an additional fleet because I, I have not been, like I have advocated never ignoring your fleets. I think fleets should be a priority over GLs, and, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's one of four territories, and if your opponents can't beat it, then you typically win, or at least more often than not, you'll win, right? But with that own advice, I have I have woefully ignored malevolence, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. I think I just don't like that fleet, and so not having the malevolence fleet has really kind of crippled me for a while. So now mm-hmm. that I have a profundity that I'm actually kind of expecting to to win without reinforcements, uh, or if I do, only one ship necessary. It still leaves me six ships to go with home one. So what I did is I took out, I had been putting uh, Tarkin with uh, the Geos, and so I took that out of my defense and put home one, and I just feel a lot more confident about, like I said, banner sniping and, and potentially holding if they under, you know, if they try to underdog it which I, I kind of expect a lot of people will. It's like like my Ewoks, right? Like they're, Ewoks are so easy to beat uh, when you put them on defense. They're super easy, but they're also explosive in the beginning. And if you underestimate them, right? Mine are at R7 and people don't realize I have like God tier mods on all of my Ewoks because they're my favorite faction. <laughs> so my Chirpa is rocking like plus 160, 170 speed, you know? Um, and so people go in there and I get a hold against Ewoks every other GAC just consistently. And it's like, I've had so many times where I log in to see how am I doing? And it's like, oh, wow, Ewoks held and they quit. They're done. Like they just gave up right there. <laughs> That's just like, to me, the greatest feeling ever. I'm like, go murder bears. Um, but I think like, I think that, that fleets are very similar. And that's why I was debating. Do I put profundity down next to executor? And then when they open that back wall, are they just going to look at it and be like, I'm done. But also the sportsman inside of me says, that's just so mean. Like, that's not fun. I love I, being I don't mean. want. <laughs> oh, you crushed their spirit. That's always fun. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. Sorry. That, that, I'll say that for a different show. I'll be mean here. <laughs> I feel like if, if you know that they can't realistically beat both your profundity and your executor, like, why not? Yeah. Well, that's when like my opponents put six GLs down with Star Killer because yeah, I, I I can't do anything about that usually. <laughs> That's the that's the opposite, I guess. Yeah. 
Well, great, you guys. Uh, I think with that, um, we're going to move on from a little bit of profundity talk. Oh, I guess I lastly wanted to mention, it looks like um, about 4,805 people unlocked the profundity. Um, seems pretty, not many, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, like my motivation. Like I want to have this ship like a month before everyone else. Like I want to be the pain in everyone's side for a month and not have to experience that pain necessarily. Mm-hmm. So um yeah just like you were saying like which I wholeheartedly endorse like fleets, 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 fleets. Like so yeah. much more important than any other um area, not area, but um you know part of your roster uh because they just carry so much more weight. Um and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just ever since they announced, you know, Zetas were tied to ships, I have just been all ships, gung ho, you know, mm-hmm. um, into them. And uh, they pay off dividends, you know, I mean, the more you can yes. invest, the, you know, you get everything you invest out of ships, that's for sure. Um, I've just been kind of. Yeah, I'm looking at SWGOH.GG right now, and uh, Profundity is the number two fleet, you know, taking the number one spot. And I think, I think, Sarah, you mentioned this. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a previous podcast very recently, I think you said that that executor had 81 or 82 percent. It's fallen just a little bit. It's at 80. Profundity is up to 13. So it's growing. People are seeing that they should swap it in, even if it's a lower star one, probably. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think I would leave it in even at five or six stars. And I don't think seven is really necessary for most people. So like, I mean, my advice would be if you've got it at six stars, just slow grind it. I mean, you know, yeah. do it once a month and don't worry about it. Get Use those crystals elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally agree with so you. So that you can buy datacrons, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, no, that's not the advice I would give. <laughs> we don't, we don't talk about those. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, just wondering. Okay, yeah. Uh, back on track. So, um, let's talk a little bit about the Radis, uh, Profundity. Uh, you know, the pilot, so to speak. Um, now, Durable, you have been really enjoyable to follow. Uh, with all of your Radis testing, you're doing all the work for the community of figuring out where does this team sit? We all just gave him relic eight, right? Like, can we yeah. use this team? Like, what are we going to do with it? How, what's the, you know, comps, what will it be and everything like that. And you have uh, basically a great series where you were just kind of testing for like a week straight, like everything you could with Radis, And then you cut a video as well, which was just kind of your uh, summary of, you know, where your final thoughts, so to speak. And uh, we kind of gave uh, Radis an overall B minus. Uh, you want to tell yeah. us a little bit about your experiences there? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Over on my channel on YouTube, I did, I, I pretty much did 10 battles a day in arena. And then if I could play them, of course, in territory wars, I tried a territory battle, which I'll just clarify that one real quick. I think he's close to garbage in territory battles because like Radis mm. is, I think, as you said, in, in discord guild chat, he's, he's a survive and thrive team, which I didn't really expect that. See, Whenever um, a rogue one ally is critically hit, they inflict expose on the enemy. And so I thought that what would happen is they'd, they'd accumulate a bunch of exposes and then like K2 would counterattack, uh, Cassian would assist, they'd trigger that expose and do like, you know, 
20%, whatever exposed damage is. But it turns out really they win more by slowly whittling down the opponent and then Radis hitting that ultimate and screaming, hope, right? And everybody falls down. Well, (laughs) you can only trigger hope once. And so you go into territory battles and like, I I found like immediately somebody got bit blasted into oblivion and I was like, oh my gosh. And uh, before I knew it, I was like, I have to trigger hope or I'm going to lose. And then I was like, ah, finally I did it. And then I saw phase one complete and I was like, oh crap. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not per encounter. So you don't get to use it again or start over in the next wave. Yeah. And there's also seems to be a bug. I don't know if it's been fixed. Maybe it's not a bug because the kit doesn't specify your Radis can only do it once. The kit says hope can only be triggered once. So if you're in a mirror match and your opponent triggers it before you right now, last I've heard, you're out of luck. Like it can only happen once in the battle. So in mirror matches, it's really, really nasty. But yeah, so um, yeah, I put together this kind of chart and I probably should update it because I've got some new experiences with it. But oh, great. ultimately, my findings was that Radis with K2, Jen, Scarif, and Biston, is, or not Biston, sorry, Cassian is probably my preferred. If you take out Cassian, Biston does a bit more damage. You get a higher total damage output. But I think Cassian has more survivability because of the debuffs. And also we're getting an Omicron that was spoiled for him, which that one has me really, really intrigued. Like, I don't recall CG ever saying, oh, and by the way, look out for an Omicron coming to uh, mm-hmm. character X. They've never done it, but they did it two weeks ago for, for Cassian. A long time we got the- ago. I thought it was going to be like that week, right? Like what's going yeah. on? They would, they would yeah, announce it so early because, again, it was just unusual. Right. And I'm sitting on some mats that I would love to apply to somebody. I mean, I'd, I'd like to put it on uh, like Malgus, for example, but I'm just sitting there going, no, no, we'll wait and, and <laughs> whatever. I'm not going to use it this GAC, right? But so um, I found that pretty much the the Rogue One Radis team seems to decimate almost any Empire squad, which kind of makes sense. I mean, it's very heavy anti-Empire in the kits, but um against light side squads really seems to struggle like a lot especially against like padme because of there's so many attacks out of turn mass assist cassian counter striking you know or not cassian uh, k2 cassian mm-hmm. assisting with k2 so like padme destroys it revan destroys it because i i found revan like seems to better than half opening turn just go hey jen die and mark her um, mm. It's like it's almost coded to do that. Um, Darth Revan pretty much obliterated him if if the he had double tanks with Sith Empire Trooper and Malak. Um, and then of course because I was mostly in arena and you only get like what two territory wars in a well four in a month, right? Mm. You don't get a lot of opportunities to test it. And then if you test and you lose, your guild is kind of like, Err. so I try <laughs> not to lose. Um, but um, I just found it underwhelming. Um, and now I have found some recent love for it in Conquest, though, because that hope mechanic helps you maintain those three stars at the end of the battle. So if you've got if you got the good datacrons and you can go in and just kind of struggle your way to, to the end, Jen or Radis can revive and you get all three stars. Mm-hmm. So that one's been pretty good, especially the uh, like win with no attackers. That one's really easy with Radis. Oh, yeah. We always need another team for like that, those feats. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, K2 path, you have to take out Jen though. So you got like K2 path, 
Cassian. And then I, I would put Bayes in. And my Bayes is only like gear 10, gear 9. Yeah, um, I was going to so ask I didn't you about get much testing. Bayes, because you were, yeah, it was a kind of a, a glaring omission with all of your testing. And I've heard some people yeah. say it's okay. And, you know, with all of your Rogue One love, yeah, Bayes somehow got kind of left behind. And you were mentioning that you didn't have any intentions on bringing him up, which I guess, no. why would you if, you know, this team isn't necessarily performing? It's not like it's going to take it from like a B minus to an A plus, really, right? So, right. Um, and especially with those new evil Decron things, if <laughs> I were to gear Bayes, not only do I have to get him up to like gear 12 minimum, I'd actually have to get him up to like Relic 5 relic to be five, viable. Yeah. Otherwise, he cripples the team, right? So, th that's another reason I don't like those things. But mm -hmm. yeah, Bayes, so like Bayes, he doesn't. I don't know his kit too well. So correct me here if I'm wrong, but like, I don't think he revives, right? Cause Scarif revives on his own. Mm -hmm. um, and then he does, he does start with retribution, but I think it's a lot harder to get that back or maybe you can't, I don't he recall. He gets it if Chirrut goes under full health. He'll get back. Oh, the so that's right. Retribution, I believe. Mm -hmm. So then you need Chirrut also in there, right? Yeah. Which is Chirrut, he's nice because he puts the like the the healing up or heal over time effects out there, but I I did try with him a lot and he's just so squishy. I feel that even if I had like if I took Chirrut as my fifth and I ran K two Scarif, even with double tanks, he just kept dying still somehow. He just perpetually died, whether it was Vader calling Blade or uh, getting marked or. AOEs, I don't know. I just, I just found that he was way too uh, risky. Mm -hmm. Whereas Cassian is pretty beefy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to clarify. Yeah. Uh, Baze will gain the taunt and retribution anytime an enemy is defeated or trick falls on below hundred percent health. Um, okay. But yeah, you know, I was really excited to go into this team, but kind of after watching, you know, for me, like I really have to prioritize where I'm going to like put an investment and, you know, every now and again, like an opening presents itself where I can go in on like maybe a fringe team or something like that. And, you know, I, this was kind of going to be it, but, you know, after seeing, you know, and I guess maybe I'm still kind of hoping like the Cassie and Omicron will push it over the top or make it, you know, give it that um, push, which I could see CG wanting to do considering the forced us to relegate, but uh, a roll yeah. of nine, um, you know, Radis, or maybe this is kind of falling right where they want. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I think I'm going to kind of pass and just kind of see what else is out there. I mean, I would really like to, if I'm going to, you know, invest in a team and to be like, you know, a real A tier team. Um, well, and plus, you know, we have everything coming for um, Java. So, I'm yeah. going to start reserving everything for that direction. Uh, but yeah, you know, if you I was have... going to make an exception to this team, I think, you know, the last UTH, I was just raving about how excited, <laughs> you know, I was about Radis and, you know, coming to the game and, um, you well, know, you know, I may have missed team. the sweet spot. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not saying that they're, they're not worth uh, pursuing, but my, my advice based on my experiences is like, it's a it's a pass team for me. Like I would not go out of my way for it. Uh, I think in three v three, there's some potential. I mean, if you've got profundity, then you've got casting, you've got Radis up there. Mm -hmm. I, I think I would put K two in or maybe Jen, and just call it a three v three defense team and walk away. I mean, that's probably mm -hmm. where I would go with it. Um, but mm -hmm. like, if you don't have Biston, Pathfinder, Beige, Chirrut, and 
please just don't even try to consider Bodhi. (laughs) (laughs) No, just no. Um, I would not invest in them. Also, because now that Home One has lost the Falcon, there's really no, I can't see any rationale to really push the U-Wing team. Right. I mean, the pilots, there's just like they're, they're going to get destroyed no matter what you do with them. I mean, on offense, they might be good for cleaning up, especially maybe when we get seven star Raven's Claws. But I don't know the the Cassian. I think that I'm going to speculate. I think that his Omicron is going to um, like so he's got this shock grenade ability that applies one random debuff on each enemy mm-hmm. uh, and the it's one of five ability block defense down healing offense down and speed down and i'm just going to speculate that the omicron is going to imply apply all of those to all enemies um and if mm-hmm. that's the case then i think that that may that alone could be pretty substantial um mm-hmm. and then he's he's got this other passive his uh he's a passive ability that like gives all your rebels they start the battle with like protection up and then some yeah. miscellaneous buffs I think that could also get boosted to where it's not a, like a three or two turn limit, but a permanent status boost and then mm-hmm. additional stats on top of it. So I, I do think that again, it's speculating, but I suspect that when that, that Omicron comes out, the team will be much more viable unless it becomes like a, a raid Omicron. Then we're yeah. like, mm-hmm. the question is, is where very disappointed. Yeah. We hope right. it'll be better, but where, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah i could see them doing like instead of like a 20 percent protection up like a hundred percent protection up because that's where it's like you really see a big difference uh yeah with just like little boosts like that i mean the 20 percent is like so insignificant at this point right yeah um, so yeah so that's great yeah uh really appreciate all your work on that radis team and kind of yeah doing the work for the community um and so yeah you know i mean i guess i'll have to still you know it's still in the back of my mind like i'm really excited about this team i'm excited to see um where casting zomicron lands and um you know i still reserve it in my back pocket to maybe work on it uh, you know it was always my plan to go that direction but um yeah, just going to kind of hold, be in yeah. a holding pattern for a little bit and kind of see what direction everything else goes before I come back to it. Because, you know, I mean, that Dash team is still sitting out there. It's pretty darn good. Um, yeah. It needs mm-hmm. a lot of investment um, as well. Um, Dash, Bad Batch, I mean, Imperial mm-hmm. Troopers, I think. I mean, I, I, I know it's not a, a fan favorite. Inquisitors, I think, are better than the Radis team. I would definitely push them above it, except mm-hmm. for the, yes. the fleet. No, that's a really good point. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? What a great segue to talk about Inquisitors. <laughs> Almost like I knew that was coming. That's weird. <laughs> that's great. Um, so uh, Inquisitors is no one's favorite team, but well, let me caveat this. You know, the people who seem to have Inquisitors in NGI, they like this team. Yeah. Like, I don't that, really that, see here many people who are using this team and have the team and like have, a you know, their relic Grand Inquisitor being like screaming that this team is trash. They seem to actually really enjoy it, you know. Um, so, yeah, and, and you have been another yeah prolific content creator out there, you know, shouting from the rooftops like. Hey everyone, I think you've got it wrong on this team. And the pro- problem also being that most of the community doesn't have a Grand Inquisitor, right? Like right. a lot of the community didn't feel the incentive to push the team in time, you know, which I was as well. I was kind of right there. I could have pushed easily to get Grand Inquisitor. And I was like, I don't see 
the incentive uh, to, you know, go this direction right now. And of course, you know, we'll talk about this in a moment, but now with the potential new TV coming, which it seems Inquisitors are going to definitely have a place and probably will be the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. next shock 501st, you know, team uh, of the new TV that um, everyone's going to be pushing this team up to the like super high relics for any consistency with what will be probably the newest, hardest, you know, portion of this game. But mm-hmm. uh backing track a little bit yeah let's uh take us through some inquisitors gerbil <laughs> so yeah i i have um I think you and I were chatting in Discord, and and uh, I I think I said <laughs> yeah. it's kind of my mission to to try to change the public perception about Inquisitors, and you're and like, poo poo you with that every time you tried to bring it up in the Discord, right? Yeah, to to, to, to yeah. my chagrin, but uh, yes, to your detriment. But uh, here we are. I am giving you yes the the uh, yeah. footstool so, to yeah really bring this team to the masses. yeah. So Pico said it. I think Pico said it really well. He said. Um, he said, you just need to like, get over it, right? Let it go. Elsa this, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're here, whether you like them or not. And I think that the, the biggest problem with Inquisitors is nothing to do with their kits. It was with CG's just abysmal marketing of them, yes. right? They, they crippled this squad before they hit the tables by implying that they would challenge and take on you know, galactic legend Jedi. And it's like, uh, no, I, I did just beat a relegate Jedi master Kenobi, or a Jedi master Luke this morning in arena. I, I play awesome. them in arena for fun because I think that they are a fun squad. Um, and, and that, that was really fun. I was like, Oh, I'm not recording this one, but that is not the norm to beat, you know, a, a high relic GL with them. Mm-hmm. But what I am finding is that it is the norm for them to beat most other squads, actually. And caveat, again, I do love them. And so because of them, that like my Ewoks, they have insanely good mods on them. Um, but you can do this without such epic mods. Like I'm looking at my Grand Inquisitor right now. He's got 356 starting sp- or base speed. So like I, I've got him going first almost no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a fast But channel. there's all kinds... Oh, he is. Well, and he's not, I don't think he's the fastest either of the Inquisitors. I think he's actually slower than uh, five of the others or four of the other five. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But the... Uh, yeah, thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, I think his base speed, and, and again, this is off memory, I think his base speed is 183. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the others are 186. And I think Ninth Sister, the tank, I think she's the slowest, like 170 yeah. or 168 or something. I don't remember exactly, but um, it took a long time to figure out proper turn orders and how to use them because there, there are so many things buried in their, in their dissertation style kits, right? <laughs> I mean, there's, it, it's insane, the, the write-up on this, and it's, uh, it's, it's too long, right? But there's things in there, like I just even recently, even after about 90 or 100 matches uh, and document this, I just realized like my ninth sister is starting at over a half million life and protection. And I can probably push her up if I wanted to about 650, maybe 700,000 health and protection starting. Yeah, that's like, how are you getting there, right? Well, it's like, 
Grand Inquisitor gives them 66% bonus health and protection. And then she has, Nine Sister has this, this uh, patience ability, gives her another 20% or something. And then her unique gives her an additional 10% for each other Inquisitor ally. And so if you just moderate, right, you're starting at like 350,000 and then you're doubling it basically. So um, the, the trick is like I said, it's modding them and learning all the ins and outs. Like I mentioned earlier, if any inquisitor is evaded, everybody on the enemy team gets hit with true damage. So like if you're going up against Jedi and you, you have a, you know, say, so you're like, you're looking at, do I attack uh, Revan or do I attack Grandmaster Yoda? Well, Yoda is squishier, but he's, he's got foresight. Oh, <laughs> Grandmaster Yoda, we're going to hit him anyway, because it's going to damage everyone on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hot tip. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I found that I can consistently beat like Padme, uh, the traditional Padme team, even if they are all relegate, like straight across the board, I can, um, I can beat them with full banners. Um, Shakti, 100% win rate. Um, gas is the one that a lot of other content creators talk about, but I'm, I'm kind of hit or miss on that. I think it's like a, maybe a two and three that I win. Um, mm-hmm. I would not do that in GAC. I just don't think it's worth the, the gamble. Darth Revan, surprisingly, if if Sitha Trooper is not there, I'm almost at 100% win rate against Darth Revan, even with Mal- Malik and uh, Basha Shan, HK, and who's the other one? Marauder. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can destroy that one. The hardest lineup for me, honestly, is uh, Jedi Knight Luke, ironically. Again, poor marketing from CG, <laughs> a Jedi, right? <laughs> because he he just destroys the team uh, because, you know, he reduces their their speed with his Heroes Arise mechanic. Mm-hmm. And so so all of all of my fast modding and the, the innate higher speed kits on them just get invalidated. And then Revan will uh, will mark Grin uh, Inquisitor and then Gas starts dropping your cooldowns. And it just falls apart real fast. Yeah, you have an amazing graphic uh, of all of your matches and all of your tracking, which is like really great job just tracking all of these matches and uh, the different variations and stuff. I, real quick before I make my next statement, uh, what do you think it is about that Sith uh, trooper, that Sith, Sith tank that makes the DR counter so, you know, changes that DR counter so much for the Inquisitors? They just can't get going because they keep, because they get stuck or. Yeah, so uh, Darth Revan, Bastard Shan, Malak, HK, and Sith Empire Trooper, right? Yeah. If you take out the Empire Trooper uh, and you have experience, like I'm, if you go in there without practicing this, you're going to lose. I mean, it's just like you you need to run this battle a few times, which is why so many people want a sandbox mode, right? But I, I would encourage you, every time you get a new squad, drop your arena rank down into you know the 800s or, or below 1,000, and you will find so much variety of teams out there. Uh, and so you can pick and choose and almost sandbox practice it. But what happens with the Sith Empire Trooper? is that he opens up with that auto taunt. And because he's auto taunting, I typically have uh, Grand Inquisitor go first. And the reason for that is his, his uh, what is it called? The ready, no, is it ready to die? Yeah, ready to die move. Most people will want to save that until a target has a lot of stacks of purge because the more purge they have, the more bonuses everybody gets. And those are nifty, but they're not essential. What what I find is most important is that ready to die inflicts uh, torture and removes 100% turn meter from the target. So like if you can remove that turn meter, great, but 
the torture is what's fantastic because anytime that character is damaged, no matter how they're damaged, they take uh, 10% health damage. And I don't know, it says of this character. I don't know if that's of the tortured or the inquisitor's health. I don't know which, but anyway, so it reduces their defense and they take damage. So what happens is you open up with grand inquisitor and you torture Revan and then fifth brother goes second and you, you, you resist your temptation to use his AOE, which spreads purge around also, because if you do that, Malik will taunt. So you just, you ignore him and you just basic or do targeted uh, specials. And you can probably, usually I can kill Revan, Darth Revan, before he gets a turn and before Bastly gets a turn. Because if they get a turn, of course, they're going to spread fear and shock and all that madness and, and it's, it's game over. So the Sith Empire Trooper, the battle opens and he's like, taunt, and Grand Inquisitor's like, well, snap, what do I do now? And even if you had Fifth Brother Fastest, he'll swing his AOE, which will remove the taunt from Sith Empire Trooper, but then it puts it on Malak. Mm-hmm. And then Malak's like, haha, come at me, bro. And you lose. Could you have Seven Sister of the Fastest with her dispel little droid? Yes. Uh, I actually, yeah, you probably could. But I mean, when you look at the graphic I have, the reason mm-hmm. I don't run her faster is because I'm looking for kind of the, the mod optimization that has the most flexibility. Mm-hmm. If you put Seventh Sister faster, then yeah, her dispel is going to remove taunt. Um, and it's going to actually it'll remove all positive status effects, right? And put mm-hmm. a stack of purge for each one of them. And that's great. But I actually want her to be a bit slower because like if you get marked by Revan or if somebody does outspeed you, I typically want her to heal and put foresight on the team before that, or, you know, after all that damage happens. And if she goes first, then um, you just never know exactly what's going to happen. The other thing is like, she also has a 20% chance to gain hundred percent turn meter whenever one of your team members is critically hit. I think it's critically hit could just take damage. I don't remember. So she will actually go out, take extra turns out of turn quite often. So I tend to rely on that more so than speed. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I can imagine Yeah, her place in the turn order will start getting mixed up. Um, yeah. And then I guess the other thing I want to mention was, yes, uh, the team that was advertised as Jedi killers tends to struggle, but man, can they kill some rebels? They seem to do really oh. well <laughs> against rebel comps, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mon Mothma is a free win. I mean, yeah. I, I I took one down in uh, the territory battle that, or territory war, the last one that we were in. Uh, there was a Mon Mothma squad there. I, I logged in. It was in the front row. There was like four rays that had beaten several of our friends. And there was a Mon Mothma squad that had a win or two also. And it had the starting 25% turn meter datacron. And I was like, okay, Inquisitors. And so I, I sent my inquisitors in. I think I recorded it. If I did, I'll try to post it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I used the datacron at all. I might have, but I don't have any good datacrons for inquisitors. I never got the the, the good one. Um, mm-hmm. And I just destroyed it. I think I got close to or did get full banners if it had been a GAC match. Because again, right, they, they're going to, with that turn meter bonus, they're going to go first. Whoever they hit, they cannot kill anyone opening turn. That's going to make Ninth Sister taunt. And like I said, my Ninth Sister's at like half a million life. And in her kit, she's like, whenever she gets critically hit, I think she gets like critical hit, uh, critical damage 
what is it? Uh, avoidance up. Right. So then she's sitting there with a half million life going, yeah, that didn't hurt. That didn't hurt. That didn't hurt. And my Mothma teams don't hit hard anyway. Yeah. So eventually one of them triggers uh, seventh sister. She takes a turn and locks somebody down, puts some purge on everybody. And all those purge stacks, when they expire, they give you, or when their clans debuffed, expired, they give you turn meter to the whole team. So she drops six stacks of purge in one turn on somebody, uh, which triggers Grand Inquisitor to take a turn immediately. So then he puts torture on somebody and then you're off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, and then you have such a good record against CLS teams, which seems like, you know, that's a great team to advertise on offense for the Inquisitors. They might not be being gassed, but I mean, you know, a CLS is nothing to shake your head at. Mm-hmm. No. And full disclosure there, those are usually not full banner wins. They're, sure. they're wins. And I think I've got two or three of those battles on my, my YouTube channel. You can go check them out. But uh, it's a little RNG. If, if Han Solo opens on Grand Inquisitor and does enough damage and then Chewie does an AoE before you get you know, a chance to heal, then it could go sideways and lose. But it's a one in five. It seems to be pretty random. It's not like Revan. Revan's just like, hey, Inquisitor, grand, you're done. But Han Solo is sometimes he's like, hey, I'm going to stun your tank. And it's like, thank you. That's perfect. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I really appreciate that. So I've had really, really good luck over there with that. And in my videos, too, if you watch them, I do post the mods and the, Mm. the. the important stats like the offense or the speed or the tenacity depending on the character i also recommend tenacity on most of the inquisitors they, they just they seem to be quite vulnerable oh. so if you can run a speed and tenacity on most of them or crit damage and tenacity on second sister that's pretty much where i go and a question i also get a lot is what data am i using to make them win and <laughs> <laughs> and in my vids, I'm pretty clear usually that I'm either not using a Datacron or I'm only using it to counterbalance as best I can what the opponent had. Mm-hmm. So right. I'm trying to level that, right? So like if they got a plus 50% tenacity, I'm applying the closest opposite, plus 50% potency, right? Because I, 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 I'm I trying to make it more scientifically balanced, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that. That makes sense because then you can kind of remove some of the effects that that datacrons would have on it and it would be more of a like consistent type of counter yeah but you know i i run into people like i'll post something on reddit like i posted this graph on reddit and of course i get the people immediately telling me that it's dark side geo not light side i'm like typo right please ignore Mm -hmm. the typos but um they're they're really only three kind of questions or statements I get. One of them is that these guys are garbage no matter what. And I'm like, nah, I don't agree, but I've stopped arguing. Uh, and then the other one is I have Grand Inquisitor also. I love the squad, mm-hmm. right? Like back to what you were, you were saying, Vox, that like, people who have it are starting to realize actually it's not bad. I'm not saying meta busting, but they're not bad. Um, and if I can kind of monologue here for just a second, <laughs> cut me off if I talk too much, but... Uh, one of the biggest arguments I hear consistently is like, yeah, but Starkiller is so much more viable and easier to farm. Like everybody tells me that. Right. And I'm like, yes and no, because when you get the Grand Inquisitor, you've only lost, you've only geared five characters or six period. And you have a ready to go squad 
for multiple modes of the game. But if you're going after Starkiller, you have to get both his four unlock requirements, who are all good, I think. Mm-hmm. They're all good. But you have to get a full Mon Mothma squad for Kyle. You have to get a full Sith squad for Talon. You have to get a full uh, prepared or scoundrel team for Dash. You have, you know, only Starkiller and Mara Jade really, I think, ever really go together. And I don't even know, does Mara Jade go with Starkiller? I think so. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't they have do, them, Yeah, so. but even then you still yeah. need like to have your Palp and or most people like have to gear their Visas. Yeah. You know, right. Uh, because no one has her geared if you want to really fill no. out like that team. Yeah. So when you really think about like the the broader application, like if I were an earlier mid game player right now, my advice is I would I would absolutely go after the Inquisitors because assault battles, uh, galactic challenges, conquest, future territory battle, future Inquisitor for, we know for sure is coming, and I actually speculate we'll get another one. I think we're going to get two. We're getting Reva for sure, right? That's been confirmed. I think she's third sister. Mm-hmm. And then I think in I think next year in 2023, we're going to get a sixth brother who is in the new Tales of the Jedi series coming out like next Ooh. month in October. Yeah, so there is more Inquisitors lined up in Disney Plus stuff that's becoming canon or, or coming to, you know, the TV. So they are, like it or not, they're kind of the future for a while um Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. like i said when you're done with them you have a full viable squad ready to go uh i would only say that like star killer is more accessible if you already have you know like a mon mothma squad in the lines a a prepared squad in the lines because yeah they they spider out which is where a lot of us were, you know, I think coming into Star Killer's release. But um, yeah, if you're starting fresh on both of them, I think yeah, your argument is uh, completely valid. Um, yeah. yeah, with this team. So uh, I, I think it doesn't help as well. Like you were just kind of saying as well, the you have to practice with this team. They're not just, yes. you know, plug and play easy to use right <laughs> off the get go, you know, like a CLS Rebels team or like maybe a Imperial Trooper, you know. Um, yeah. So, but I, it does sound like the more you use them, the more people love them. And once you figure them out, like, it's really fun. I mean, I, maybe it's kind of like the Finn Zeta team, like, you know, mm-hmm. that team required some skill to use. And like, when you invested like the skill to play them well, you, they were really became one of your favorite teams. Um, yeah. And then just to lastly mention uh, that uh in dark side geo which is you know a little bit of an older mode but they really excel and they absolutely should yeah. you know uh excel in that mode uh looks like they four four all phase four phases pretty easily you were saying uh which yeah would probably be a really fun place to use them right yeah um they, they just have a lot they spider out into so many different events and even in in c-pit they're not amazing but i've been able to consistently get about 1.5 to 17 million damage mm-hmm. um, and that's even taking play and i've only been able to do it like four or five times so i'm still learning right how i need to do it do i need to use the whatever you call it with the door drops what is that called it's a a topple oh. right do i have to <laughs> yeah. topple right mm-hmm. but like i don't have c-pit focused teams because I just recently joined your guild and the guilds I've been in before it, we were not, we were not doing the seat pit. Mm-hmm. Like I was in a, um, in a very casual guild for years, just because 
I didn't want the stress or the 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 feeling of, of, of being compelled, you know, to to show up in a bunch of different events. Um, but at, at some point, of course, I reached that point where I'm like, okay, I need a different experience. And so I, I moved up. But again, for early players who are looking for a contribution in phases two and three, they're pretty good. Unfortunately, our guild does see phase one at like two in the morning for me. So I will never <laughs> get a chance to test that. I'm not waking up for that. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. They are a team you have to learn, like, which is another thing, like with Ewoks, everybody says Ewoks, the biggest complaint that people tell me about the Ewoks is that like, they, they just say they suck. And I'm like, well, no, actually, I think you don't know how to play them because um, I've made these three strategy guides and there's a fourth one I'm supposed to make. And I just, it's been a year and I haven't made it. Oops. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Ewoks have an incredible amount of terminator manipulation that is by choice. Right. And I don't mean to kind of go off on a tangent, but this is also how the inquisitors work. And I think more people are familiar right now with Ewoks. So it's kind of a good analogy. Like in an Ewok, you have term meter removal from Lagre. Uh, if you're running Tebow, if you're running Scout, you have um, term meter gains from Chirpa's basic and almost every Ewok calls an assist. So like when you're assisting, it's like, do I call Elder who is gonna give him by default 20% for his basic plus his own kid is gonna give him between 25 and 50%, which spreads it to the entire team. Or do I call Chirpa if the target has over half turn meter that will give him 55% plus his 20% basic, or do I call, or do I call, right? And then every Ewok, when they call an assist, they they spread a buff. Do I need the crit damage? Do I need the, right? So you have to, you have to actually think about every turn, which target do I attack? When, uh, who do I call to assist? Whose turn meter do I need to pump or remove? And Inquisitors are very much like that, right? Do I need to set up second sister in three turns for a big hit on somebody? Do I need to apply that torture now? Is it more important to get, you know, speed up or whatever? Um, it takes a little bit more thought. And I think that that also works against them in some cases. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people like to just go pew, 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 right? And blow up everything. <laughs> just button yes. mash their way through. Yeah. 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 Just like shock and I win. And I don't know. Right. Well, to uh, kind of put a close on this conversation, uh, sir, I want to throw it at you real quick, uh, who is, uh, you know, not slow farming your inquisitors, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you have a TB on the horizon, where they will become important. And so, uh, yeah, what's your kind of dynamic Mm -hmm. and where you're at thinking about inquisitors right now? Um, so they are my priority right now. So I'm not changed. Yeah. I'm not focused. I was, so before all this was announced, I was like, okay, I'll gear my bad batch and that'll naturally meet a Lord Vader. And then we'll just kind of go from there. And then all of this happened. Um, and the, the thing with, with grand inquisitor is he's not in the journey guide. So you, you have to be ready for his event when it drops, right? Like you can't just start it at any moment. Um, and with Lord Vader and Jabba, I'll be able to do that. So uh, I was like, I need to be ready for this. This TB is coming. They're saying hopefully by the end of the year. I don't know if that's actually accurate, but <laughs> very, uh, uh, you know, wobbly. On that yeah. One. So we'll see. But I mean, they heavily hinted that you're going to want Inquisitors. You're going to be getting mm-hmm. Re- Reva. You're going to get Third Sister as a reward. Whether or not we need the Inquisitors for that battle specifically, because a lot of people have said this, is that, oh, you might need something else to, to get her mm-hmm. um, 
that that's fine if you do in my opinion you're gonna need inquisitors for something whether it's a combat mission or a currency mission or whatever and that's going to push up your rewards that's like it's all just this you know giant snowball effect right so if you don't have it's the same thing in light side geo yeah you need shock clones for cam you also want your padme team you also want your galactic republic like you, you need all these other uh teams ready to go so um yeah basically my thought is all in all inquisitors um i have two of them are are seven star and making their way slowly to gear 13 okay it's it is unbelievable i don't know if I, it's because i'm in the thick of it so you're really tell me if you felt this I'm like, you all need the same gear. Please stop. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think so many Chirotechs, right? Oh my gosh. I was, I, I uh, took somebody up and then you get like the five green pluses. And I'm like, oh, you're a Cairo, aren't you? And of yes. course it's, it's a Cairo. So yeah, every time. Yeah. Well, so that's I'm okay. Like, okay. There's a couple that, that there's a couple of levels that you'll need like 200 Kairos on one gear level. It's just like, oh, that's crucial or like brutal. It is. Uh, it is really like heartbreaking when you see it and you're like, oh, and then you look yeah. at the, your other inquisitors and they all have one missing gear piece. And I'm like, well, you're all Kairos too. Like, <laughs> so um, it, it is painful to gear them, but uh, yeah. at least like for me, I, I actually find their farm to be decent. Their shards are dropping at a decent rate. So yeah. I'm not too upset about yeah, the it. The drop rate's good. I'm hoping well, I'm hoping I'll be ready by the next time the event comes around, whenever that is. Um, and if not, I'm I'm next. speculating. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm speculating it's going to be like at the end of this month, beginning of next month, probably. But I think it will also happen sometime in December. I feel like they're gonna run the event twice before the new territory battle comes. I think that would make sense. I mm-hmm. I think that. The assumption is that we'll need Inquisitors to unlock Third Sister, but mm-hmm. the the more practical side of me says CG does everything they do for monetary gain. They want to make money, and that's understandable. They're a company. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me think that actually what they're going to require, and, and you're going to kill me, is uh, Jedi Master Kenobi. Oh. Because Kenobi is the one who tricks her into attacking Vader, right? Mm-hmm. Which gets you into a whole another philosophical thing. Was that like I love that like he's the hero, he's the good guy, and he's like, oh, babe, hey, go sacrifice yourself so I can escape. Like that was pretty dark, actually, if you think about it. Like he knows that she was taken advantage of to become an Inquisitor, and then he just mm-hmm. totally does it to her again. Go die. Like, well, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I digress. Um, but I could very much see her being a light side like character that you have to unlock her with a Jedi squad. Mm. Conversely, I, I could see it being a one V one match where you get to her node and then you have to battle her with uh, Vader, Darth or Vader. Grand Inquisitor. Or both. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And if that's the case, I mean, if it's Vader solo, she'll be highly accessible unless you need like a relic eight or nine Vader to beat her. Um, but if it's, if it is Grand Inquisitor, I think anybody who has him unlocked should be able to handle it because mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to go the Grand Inquisitor route, you're going to take him up to high relics nonetheless. Right. 
Well, and the whole ethos, regardless, I guess, whether they're not used for Reva is, you know, the whole ethos behind this TV is like you're going out in the galaxy to like hunt Jedi, right? Like, isn't that right. kind of the yeah. premise they were saying? And, and that's Inquisitors, right? So mm-hmm. you know that they're going to like be favored, prob- you know, in many areas, you know, across the mm-hmm. TV. So that'll be really interesting. And I actually misheard, you know, or misread when it, they first announced Reva. I thought they were announcing her as an ex-conquest character, um, not as a mm. territory battle character. Because I guess that was like the, the synapses were not like quite connecting with like a TV character at the time. Because, um, you know, I still have my, uh, what is it, eighth brother? Um yeah, uh, at gear eleven, just because I keep hoping, you know, knowing they're probably they already have six, they're probably going to bring another one. You know, why waste resources on this one that isn't used in the meta comp for them? Um, but it looks like yeah, there's not going to be a way around uh, working on him to get um, to Grand Inquisitor. So. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's my own problem. But uh, I guess I'm going to have to bring him up uh, in the end and finalize him so I can get that Grand Inquisitor, which I'll I'll, I'll probably do next time. Yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. bite the bullet on it um, so I can make sure I'm ready for uh, whenever the TV comes around or just, you know, have that team fully functioning. Um, Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Eighth Brother, but he does have his place because uh, especially if you're going as Padme squads, because Seven Sister assists with every Inquisitor action. So she will cost you the match if you go against Padme. So you'd want to take her out and put in eighth brother and oh. then it's easy. Wow. Okay. That's a hot tip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's a, that was a critical learning curve when I figured that out. I was like, Whoa, Hey, this just went from really hard to free win. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I would like that matchup. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. It gives me, it makes me feel a little bit better about putting that last yeah. bit of yeah, Now you can R9 him. him. <laughs> no eighth brother only gets r8 <laughs> yeah but you know the uh something that i did catch uh, when they said reva will be the i think they said like she will be the debut or the launch character for yeah. the territory battle oh. which really makes me think there will be others mm-hmm. um me too and th- the way they said that the, the territory battle is going to be extensible, we can add or swap planets in there. Uh, I could see that being like next year, let's hypothetical, we're going to introduce Galactic Legend Leia, for example. They could add another phase to the territory battle. They said it's up to the Death Star's creation right now. Well, they could later do up to the Death Star's end uh, mm-hmm. or something and then add like indoor and then have a character there that we get. So uh, I think there's a lot of great stuff there. Um, one thing I, I'm hoping and wondering though, is like, uh, and I've always wanted them to do this, have a territory war between guilds where instead of having the fleets and the, the squads on the same map, you have to first engage and defeat the fleet before you can land your troops onto the ground to do the mm-hmm. squad battles. And that would put a good emphasis on the recent profundity and stuff. And I'm wondering if they're going to do that in this. Like you have to fly your, your fleet to one place, defeat the garrison fleet, then land your troops and take the planet. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that would be a fun PVP mode to go back and forth in a multi-guild war, like, you know, have six guilds competing at the same time. Yeah, have a, like a logical Goodness. progression like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I was going to bookend uh, this podcast a little bit with a little bit of CG positivity, I want to say that like kudos to whoever 
you know, the mastermind is between behind like a lot of their recent content because yeah. they're doing something that seems so intuitive, but we haven't really seen in these like gotcha games where they're creating dynamic content rather than static content now, yeah. you know, rather than like developing a raid and then people master it and then it becomes repetitive and boring. You know, now we're getting like these new game modes that like are constantly changing or leave room for them to be able to like update and make fresh, you know? And so I think that's mm -hmm. just beautiful. That they've like applied this, you know, kind of idea of like this dynamic mode to like the TV and things. And, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know how they would do that with a raid or anything, but it makes sense like that this does feel like the future of the way like these games should be going where like, if you're going to spend the time of, like to create a game mode for people, you should also build in a way to like, keep it fresh right so um rather than having to like start from like creating the wheel every time you want to create yeah. a new, you know a new add another raid or something like that right you have to start from square one yeah so um so yeah i just yeah think they definitely are on that track done that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i agree i definitely like seeing more of that so um yay cg <laughs> Oh, oh, and you can leave battles while uh, losing, right? Again, oh, yeah. ACG. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I think they're. I think they're doing a lot of things that are good right now. Right. Um, of course, there there is the the decron scenario that a lot of people aren't happy with, but that actually speaks towards in concept. It speaks towards what you were saying, that they are looking for more interchangeable flexibility and variety in the game, and maybe they will find you know the sweet spot and make that happen, but. Yeah, between territory battles, between what they're trying to do with the datacrons, and I think in other places we're seeing hints and clues that other stuff, that I think it is definitely on, on a healthy track. Um, I think the game will be here for a while if they keep going this way. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. It feels like it's going strong right now, for sure. Yeah, Triple, uh, sure. I want to check in with you real quick. How are we on time? You got to get going? Yeah, I got to get going, actually. Like, going. like I said, it's early in the morning, and I got to get to work real soon. Yeah, the, it's been fun watching the sun come yeah. up on you as we've <laughs> uh, been doing this podcast. Uh, but yeah, Drupal, uh, let the listeners know where they can find you. Um, pretty much just on YouTube. I'm I just uh, go to YouTube, search the gerbil, G-E-R-B-I-L. Yes, it's spelled the same as the rodent. Maybe if I'm ever back on, I'll talk about where that comes from. A lot of people <laughs> have asked. I've never shared. It's kind of a personal, sad, happy story. But yeah, the gerbil, uh, the channel started out basically just for the lols. I mean, I was showcasing videos of Ewoks beating General Grievous and Darth Revan. And I'm like, look, 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 they're awesome. And I was mostly trolling in the beginning. So please don't watch my early videos. But in, <laughs> in the last couple months, I've kind of taken the channel a little more seriously and tried to provide actual meaningful and helpful content. So I've got like a couple outdated Rebel Fleet guides that are fantastic. A more recent profundity pre-release guide and some other stuff. Uh, and I do a weekly show now just called The Galaxy Last Week, where I just kind of recap uh, as best I can a summary of what happened in the week's reviews. And then I, in that show, I tend to push out and like give shout outs to other content creators. So you'll actually see links to Zareth and Sarah's channels frequently. As I say, like, that's a summary show. If you want an analysis, go check out here, here, and here. Mm -hmm. So kind of a directory is my hope. Mm, I like so, that. Uh, yeah work from the yeah. latest episodes and work your way back. And one of the things I really like that you do is um, you featured some of your like grand arena matches and content, but then you'll just do like the single battle. So you've got some like quick, like two minute, you know, three minute videos that are really interesting, you know, and I just love that yeah. they're so digestible, you know, um, sometimes in those uh, just small little bits, I don't, you know, need to commit to like a 20 minute, you know, complete yeah. GA. You just kind of like feature like one battle that went really well. You learn something or you can um, showcase something. 
Yeah, I was I was doing really, really good last summer in Grand Arena, and I was documenting and sharing those for a couple months. But then work started, and mm. my job is is pretty intensive and, mm. uh, you know, family. So I haven't been showing my full GACs because I haven't been putting much effort into them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my win rate is all over the place right now. But yeah, I, I still try to always showcase like, hey, here's a kind of road less traveled niche battle and check out how this can be used unexpectedly. I, I, lo- I love to share those when I can. That's great. Okay. Well, speaking of work, we'll let you get to it. Yep, I got to uh, go. <laughs> listeners, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Uh, please join our discord uh, and join the fun. And you can also find Gerbil in there with all of his uh, releases. He keps us up to date on all of his goings and uh, the H&N discord as well. And with that, it is time to go switch off.